are now tuned into the Lunch Break Podcast, where true sales pros go to tell their stories. This is episode 54 of the Lunch Break Podcast, where true sales pros go to tell their stories. My name is James Bodden, and today's guest for episode 54 is none other than Scott Lease. Scott Lease is a six times startup sales leader, a three time top 25 AAISP inside sales leader, a two time founder, an author, a strategic advisor, and an all around great guy. Scott and I talk about how he got started in sales. Look, Scott has some adversity in his story early on that he was able to overcome and you'll you'll hear Scott's the type of person that once he goes he's gone if you understand what I mean Scott moves at one speed fast and we talk about his meteoric rise through sales leadership leading different companies we talk about the profession of sales in general the types of people that it attracts, the benefits of those types of people being in this profession. We talk about his surf and sales initiative. We talk about the ideas of super teams nowadays, attracting fantastic talent. Look, it's an amazing conversation. And if you're familiar with Scott at all, you should really just expect it at this point because he showed up and he does what he always does. If you don't have time to listen to the entire episode right now, Scott served up a snack break sales tip. Check it out. You, you've got to learn to make decisions faster. <clears throat> you, you've got to learn to stop overanalyzing things and second and triple guessing yourself. You know, if you feel like something makes sense, just fucking do it. Just go for it. You know, it doesn't have to be perfect. If you produce something that's, you know, C grade quality and, and you're not happy with it and you don't think that there's any future to it, then don't do it again. If you produce something that's B plus, A minus quality, then keep after it if it, if it makes you happy and it, and it adds value. But just stop, stop deliberating, man. Stop deliberating and stop second guessing and just make decisions faster, right? And move on to the next thing. It'll increase your productivity and decrease your anxiety and stress a hundredfold. All right, there it is, Scott Lease's snack break sales tip. So if you got to go back, get on the phones, send some emails, do what you got to do, and listen to the entire episode when you have a chance. For those of you sticking around, without any further ado, here we go. Episode number 54 of the Lunch Break Podcast with Scott Lease. Hope you enjoy. All right, folks, James Bodden here. You are tuned in to episode number 54 and fired up about my guest, Scott Lease. Before we hit record, I was telling Scott, I kind of feel like we've always been hanging out at the same water coolers in the same conversations, but we haven't had a, a chance to actually meet and talk. And so grateful to have you here, Scott. Thanks so much for taking the time. Yeah, it's nice to uh, finally get a chance to talk with you. It's kind of it's kind of cool actually that our first conversation will be this 
conversation that's recorded (laughs) broadcast to everybody you know (laughs) that's the way we got to do it man you know i think uh the best part about and I, and you know this, the best part about running a podcast where you interview salespeople is you never really have to worry about their ability to show up and have a conversation, or at least you shouldn't. It shouldn't so, happen, yeah. Um, yeah. The track record is undefeated so far for salespeople. Every single one of them have, have uh, turned out to be great conversations. And uh, in the spirit of kicking this thing off, I'm going to ask you the same question I ask everybody to get started here. Scott, how did you get started in sales? Yeah, you know, it, it, people who know me have heard this story before. Um, people who haven't, I, I think, can be interested to know that you know I did not follow any kind of normal pattern into sales whatsoever. I um, <clears throat> did not study business in college. You go back farther than that. I was not the kid who had a lemonade stand or was you know going door to door mowing mowing lawns or had any kind of proclivity to uh, to make money whatsoever. Um, I was all about playing sports. You know, that was all I cared about as I was growing up. I played God knows how many sports as a kid. I played four sports into high school. I got a full ride split across two different sports in college to play soccer and tennis. And I played some professional soccer overseas in in Ireland for a little bit in Arizona and San Francisco. And Went to grad school basically because I didn't know what I wanted to do with my professional life other than, you know, try to skirt by and, and maybe make some money playing soccer. But, uh, you know, I, my life took a crazy turn. I got extremely sick when I was age 23. Um, I spent the better part of the next four years, not four days or weeks or months, four years in the hospital uh, fighting for my life uh, across two different states. I've had, I think, nine total surgeries at this point in time. I am missing major organs, um, a couple life-saving surgeries, battled colon cancer scare, autoimmune diseases, on and on and on. Um, through that illness, got addicted to opioids, had to kick that in addition to getting healthy and kind of beating the illness. So in a roundabout way, here I am, I'm, finally, I'm 27 years old. At the time, I've never had a job ever that mm. didn't involve getting paid to play sports or coach sports or give lessons or anything like that. I mean, I never, I, you know, I tease my buddy Richard who used to work at The Gap. That was like his first sales job. You know, <laughs> I never worked in retail. I never was a waiter. I never upsold people on appetizers or drinks, nothing. Um, and I got into sales strategically because it was the only thing I could think of where I could make as much money as possible in as short a time period, you know, as I could imagine. And, and as a competitor, I understood, look, if you perform well, you get paid and you get paid well. And if you perform poorly, you get cut. That's it. You're gone. And so I felt like, okay, I understand that kind of mentality in that environment. So I'll just throw myself into that environment and kind of see what happens. Um, and so that was it. You know, it wasn't like I was born a salesperson. It wasn't like I got introduced to it by somebody. It wasn't like I started listening. There was no podcast at the time. It was not, not like I started listening to radio shows or reading books about this stuff. It was like, man, I've just moved to the Bay Area. I haven't done anything all in like four years. I got to get paid. 
And yeah. how can I get paid legally as much as possible? <laughs> right? That was it, you know? And uh, I, rest is kind of history. You know, I've been kind of building and scaling sales organizations for the better part of the last two decades now. So Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you know, one of the reasons that I think sales is such a unique profession is because there is no one path. There is no going to medical school and doing a fellowship and then you're a salesperson. Like you, you literally could be from anywhere and have gone through anything and show up at a sales interview independent. I mean, you might have a good chance of getting it right. And you know, I think when I hear your story, I'm glad I'm thankful for this profession, right? Because here, here you were, you had gone through all of this kind of adversity at, at uh, a really young age and you know, what are you supposed to do when you've gone through something like that and battled addiction and, and sickness? How are you supposed to rebound from that? I mean, you can't, it's going to take you forever to go be a lawyer or a doctor, you know I mean? And so that that low barrier to entry that sales has that allows lots of different types of people to come in, I think is is just one of the, the best parts about your story, right? Because it gave you kind of like a rope to kind of cl- grab onto and say, all right, well, you know, I can I can pull myself out of this situation that I'm in. Um, and And, you know, you talked about not growing up and having lemonade stands or going door to door. Um, I completely empathize with that. I mean, I never considered myself a salesperson, right? Like if I, I was a, I was a host at Bonefish Grill when I was in college and uh, my mindset was very similar to yours. Like how can I skate by under the radar pick up my little check. I don't want any responsibility. I don't want to have to sell anything or talk to anybody. So, you know, when I was a host, I wouldn't even take the responsibility of like running the board, right? I would, I was just shirking any responsibility I could. And sales to me was like the ultimate spotlight. Like when I, if I take a sales job, then, you know, this is on me. I can't skate by, I can't go under the radar. Um, You know, and it sounds like what you did recognize was the competitive aspect of sales, right? And that's what. Well, that was that was that was the first thing that I latched onto for sure. Yeah, yeah. You and know. so as you as you started in sales, did you find that? And, and I'm always interested to hear this. Was it a differentiator for you? Your natural competitive mindset from being an athlete. Yeah, I, 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 immediately? I, 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 hundred percent believe that you know um i can remember once i kind of started to figure it out i remember looking around the room at everybody and just thinking i'm gonna fucking kill these people like literally that was that was my thought process like yeah it was was like dude you guys are all in trouble now like i think i just figured this shit out and i know how competitive i am i know i want to be at the top of the leaderboard i know i want to walk through the office and have everybody look at me and be like Dude, that guy that's the guy right there yeah you know? and I can remember thinking like man I'm, I'm gonna crush you guys like I I'm going to I know my mindset I'm gonna outwork you for sure yeah. 
I care more. I'm going to try harder, all of that, all that stuff. And, you know, I think that that's still, it still serves me today in, in, in what I, in what I do. You know, I, I had, I had uh, drinks with somebody last night who runs a business here in Austin, non, non software, not tech at all, but um, business. And he was like, he's sort of struck by my, what he coined like my level of intensity and focus. And he is like, dude, like every time I talk to you, it's just like, you're all about it. Like, go, go, go. You know what I mean? Like, and, and I, man, it's, I don't know. It's just, uh, I'm grateful that I, that I grew up that way and um, that it continued to, to serves me, serve me now, you know? And uh, yeah, we all did. That is the cool thing about sales. We all randomly end up here. You know, it's, I kind of kid sometimes it's like if you walk across any sales floor or call center in America, you know, half of us are sort of at least partial degenerates, if not full blown degenerates, you know, or have been at some time. And like, we're, we're all the people that everybody else threw away. You know, the very first line of my book says sales is the garbage can of jobs. It's just like, that's, that's where we ended up. You know, we were, not smart enough maybe or too fucked up had too many problems or whatever we just like boom here we are and like how many of us can dig our way out of all that and 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 become successful and make something of ourselves you know? yeah yeah i think i i completely identify with that thought of you look around a sales floor and and we're all ex and reformed degenerates i love that because it's true right it's it's you, you, you probably got here because you thought you were going to do something else and that didn't work out or you had other plans. Like I, you know, yeah, so you're a many, liberal arts major, right? Like, yeah, yeah. I wanted to be a rapper. You yeah. know, I thought I went to digital audio school only because I thought that that was just like a way for me to get free studio time. I was just going to be a rapper. Like that was it. I had no yeah. plans, um, you know, and then, you know, real life comes and, and starts pushing you towards responsibility and it was like man mm, what can I do how can I make some money as much money as possible legally right, <laughs> you know right. um yeah. and 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 make a way for myself right and I think that's the beautiful part about about this profession and you know your your journey in particular is interesting though because so you 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 got this sales job you went all in, you recognized, you had that aha moment of like, okay, I'm starting to figure this thing out. And now it's game over. Right. Yeah. And, 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 um, but what I, what I, what I ended up realizing really, really quickly, and I, I kind of knew this already about myself. I just hadn't actually applied it to a career yet in terms of business or anything like that was, you know, I, I just, I felt like I was not going to be a frontline employee. Like that's not where I would be or belonged. You know, I had been in leadership positions my whole life, you know, just I'm always the one kind of gathering the friends up, helping decide where we're going to go, what we're going to do to, um, you know, being a captain on sports teams and, and helping like recruit other players in and things like that. And so I, I once I like kind of proved like, okay, I'm really good. Like I already, beat everybody in this office like I realized really quickly that I was going to get a lot more joy um teaching everybody else and helping everybody else 
succeed. Yep. And so, you know, I went into the profession with this very selfish kind of mindset for a reason. Not that mm-hmm. I needed to be selfish forever, but it was like, right now in this moment in time, I'm all about making as much scratch as humanly possible, right? And then real quickly, it was like, okay, I figured that out. How do I help all these people around me? How do I teach? How do I give back? And this appreciation for, you know, the opportunity that, that I now had settled in, right? Mm. You know, when you've, when you've literally had nothing and you're, you know, on death's door, it's like your mindset and, and the way you look at life changes, you know? And so every opportunity that, that, I, that I had, it was like, I got to make the most of this. Like, I can't squander this, right? And this thing could be, the rug could be ripped out from under me, like right now, today, and it all disappears. So I, I got I to get back. How do I help as many other people like me, you know, fix something about their lives or about their profession that is broken, you know? Um, and so I gravitated, like, to the leadership aspect and sales management and executive leadership, like, right, pretty quickly. You know, I was only an AE for like seven months and it was boom, sales manager leading 15, 20 people. Then it was boom, senior manager running multiple teams across two different states, 70 reps underneath me, all within the first year and a half of my, you know, selling life. Right. And so from the time I took my first ever job as an entry level sales rep to the time I got my, my first VP of sales job was under three years. Wow. Right? which is pretty quick, you know, <laughs> yeah. think, right? Uh, Maybe just a little bit, yeah, you know, judging and, by... And, and uh, wasn't the resources around either. Like, I wasn't having conversations like this with somebody in North Carolina, right? Yeah. There was yep. no platform like LinkedIn for me to go seek counsel or get advice or, or read or... There was just none of that, man. So, so much of it was just trial and error at the time and just figuring things out, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, well, you know, I think hearing it, it to me, that kind of rapid rocket launch of, of, you know, here's my first professional job and three years later, I'm running the shit uh, comes from a few things. From my perspective, it was extreme self-awareness, right? Yeah. So you were, you were talking to yourself. You may not have had LinkedIn, Right, but you were having those very important conversations that every salesperson needs to have internally. Like, okay, what do I like about this? What am I gravitating towards? What feeds me? What gives me energy? Right? So many people, not just salespeople, people in general, will coast. Like, if and and uh, and and then the other part is gratitude, right? Because of your life's journey, the perspective you had, it was always, I get to do this, not I have to do this. I have this opportunity to capitalize because tomorrow that shit may not be around. Right. And every salesperson that I've met that's been through some sort of adversity like that, where they have that life perspective always has that mindset. You never hear them complaining. You never hear them squandering away opportunity because they realize, you know, whether it was losing a family member young or suddenly or their own issues, they're, <laughs> they understand the fragility of this thing, right? So, I mean, I've explained it to people as, you know, I, I kind of lost 
I lost a lot of inhibition and, and I lost the ability to be afraid too yep. much because it's like, what am I afraid of, man? I've already probably beaten the hardest thing that I'm going to go through in my life yep. ever again. Right. So, and, and you were what? 27 quarter. When first, yeah. When I first, when I first picked up the phones to start selling, I'm 27 years old. It's like, you know, what, I'm going to be scared of the phone. I'm going to be scared of somebody hanging up on me. Right. Like, you know what I mean? Not at all. I'm going to be scared of losing my job. Like, no, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, and I, you know, I use that as a, as a, as a weapon, if you will, as, as, mm. as, as confidence, right. As, as a way to not get too rattled or too, you know, get too anxious or too much anxiety about certain things. It's like, dude, it's nothing compared to what I've already been through. Right. So I, yeah. I'm not, I'm not super worried about it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and you can't really teach that, right? You can't really give somebody perspective like that because you had that experience. And so you have this kind of meteoric rise. You're a sales leader. Some of my favorite content that you put out on LinkedIn is about the role of VP of sales, right? And the position that yeah. VP, uh, you know, VPs are put in, right? Yeah. So at what point, you know, you're doing the work, you're, you're a practitioner. At what point did you decide, hey, I'm going to start, I recognize that there's this thing called LinkedIn. I recognize that there's social media. When did that whole component come in, right? Because I just find it so interesting. There are tons of people out there with tons of experience that have been through so much, but very, very, very few of them choose to start this content creation adventure and, and process. So what, what brought you to that point? Well, you know, I had been, I had been using LinkedIn in some of the earlier days. And I think I used it the way a lot of people did, which you just sort of only connected with people who, who you knew right? Or you had some kind of relationship with or, you know, who were colleagues of yours, right? And I think I would post things every now and then, like, you know, something kind of snarky or some funny story or, or some maybe inspirational, motivational kind of thing. But no, no real concerted, you know, big driven effort. Mm -hmm. um, it really wasn't until I think about maybe four years ago, I think it was kind of right before I started at Qualia, which was the last company I was a SVP of sales for. Um, and I had, a, I had a conversation with a friend of mine who gave me some advice and, and the advice was just like, dude, you're, you're leaving a lot, of, a lot of money on the table out there. Like you, you have an interesting story, you have opinions, you're not afraid to talk about things that other people, you know, get spooked about, you know, mm -hmm. you don't worry about the repercussions as much kind of thing. Right. Yeah. And, um, for whatever reason, it just like, it hit me like a ton of bricks. And I think I had like 3000 connections at the time, which, you know, to me now just sounds so paltry. <laughs> um, but I, I just instantly made this concerted effort. Like, man, I'm going to fucking connect with every single person that I, that I know who might be relevant to me in some way. So that's yeah. every single person I can find in sales in every major market I can think of anybody in sales management, anybody, any executive, 
any founders and CEOs who might want to hire me someday. And I just, you know, I just went to work. Like I'm talking, you know, hundreds of connection requests, like a day and, mm -hmm. you know, went about it probably the, the wrong way at the time. There was, it was not about personalization four and a half years ago. Right. <laughs> no, no. Um, and so, you know, I just, I kind of just, Hey, I'd send a note that was like, look, I would love to connect with you. Um, you know, not trying to sell you nothing at all. Just like, never know when we can help each other. Right. And that yeah. was it. That was, that was my note. And, you know, I think at the time, like it might've been taken as a little personal, which, which was probably good. It probably served me a little well. Now that yeah. would be like pretty generic, I think probably. Um, yeah. Somebody I, would screenshot your invitation request yeah, now be, and, and make a post about it. Yeah, I'd be totally shamed right now, brother. Yeah. Um, and so I, I built my network up like really, really quick by doing that. And at the same time, I just started writing stuff. And w one of the things that, you know, I think has been a blessing for me is, you know, I am not a perfectionist. I think that perfectionism is the enemy of productivity. And I'm not somebody who overanalyzes and overthinks things. So I just, if I have a thought about something, I just type it up, boom, blast it out, right? And so I started to figure out the algorithm and figure out what I wanted to, to write about. Um, and, you know, it, it really has become what it is for everybody else today. But this, you know, a few years ago, like I was on the, I maxed out connections like pretty early. I was kind of on it on the earlier swing, not, not one of the earliest for sure, but like on the earlier kind of upswing. Um, and you know, obviously I still, still use it, use it today. Yeah. Well, and again, I think it, it follows suit with kind of how you've operated, right? You identify an opportunity and then it's all in. Yeah. There's no reason to, to hedge your bets. And I love the piece about, you know, not being a perfectionist. It's, it's just so many and it's obviously applied across sales roles what what you have to do as a salesperson that mentality serves you well but especially with creating content i feel i've had conversations with people that just seem so silly there's oh you know what if what if this happens or what if i'm telling you nobody cares right yeah. like you you're not that important i, I think <laughs> i think a lot of you know you care more than other people do exactly you know, it's like, nobody's going to judge you if you, you know, misspell the word, right? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Nobody's and if they do, I, I don't want you hanging out with me anyway. I don't, you know? Yeah. If, so. they, if, if they do, you know, it's, it's probably informing you of the quality of what that relationship might be. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So yeah. I, I definitely am that, that way. You know, I just, um, I'm a big proponent of like, man, I'm going to, I'm going to deliver a B plus A minus product and I'll be on to the next thing. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. and I'm going to, I'm going to get a lot of, a lot of shit, a lot of shit done because of that. You know, yeah. I'm not going to rewrite and re-edit a post, you know, a couple of times. I'm not going to think about something for an hour. You know, yeah. I'll, I'll literally be like parked at, you know, a stoplight and some idea will come into my head and I'll like voice memo it. And then by the time I get to wherever I'm going, I sit in the parking lot and type the post on my phone and pff, off, off I go, you know? And, yep. um, you know, I, I think one of the things that I tried to do to 
set myself apart a little bit is I try to shed light on some topics that a lot of people are a little afraid to talk about. You know, mm. you talk about how you like some of the things I write about in terms of being a VP of sales. You know, that's actually what I'm writing my second book on right now. My second book is all about like how to become a VP of sales, what the job is really like, and mm. you know, some advice for folks who are in the role and some advice for people who are managing those in the role. And so, you know, I talk about these kind of things. Like I talk about the stress and anxiety of it all, right? Mm. I talk about all the ways that you get fucked over as a VP of sales. Yeah. I talk about the fact that, you know, you think you're going to be a multimillionaire because some company sells for a hundred million dollars. You're not, here's how it's going to happen. Here's all the equity ploys and tricks and, and whatnot. Mm. Um, and so, you know, people don't talk about those things. And I think one of the reasons you don't talk about it is because VPs are like, if I speak out, how am I going to get my next job? Yeah. I'll be blackballed. Yep. Right. Oh, you know, I think the more of us who, who become confident enough in our, in our ability and find our voice and speak out about some of this stuff, we have the opportunity to change the dynamic in the profession and make it better for people who come after us. Um, and I feel a little bit of a burden of responsibility to participate in that. Well, thank God you are because that, I mean, I'm serious, right? Because, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm 10 years into my sales career. I've been doing this for 10 years and I've seen the good and the bad and the ugly. And so I appreciate when somebody has the guts to talk about how broken things are. Yeah. in sales organizations, right? And what that does to the individual, right? And what that, what stress comes and, and what you're actually just having to deal with on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, and then I think about all of the fluffy unicorn rainbow stuff that I see. And that's cool too, right? Um, but I'm also, I have the benefit of knowing the reality of like, all right, well, that's yeah. not really how it goes down. I'm, I'm concerned about the new salespeople that are getting the message of it's all good and it's all happy and you crush quota. That's why I'm glad there are people like you, right? For, for the people that are starting out to, to just, and for people like me, right? I may want to be a VP of sales one day. I am going to read and notate and highlight that book when it comes out, right? Because <laughs> why waste that time? Why not learn from somebody who's been there and done it? So, um, and, and that leads perfectly into what I wanted to talk about. What made you decide to write books? Man, that's, it's interesting. You know, I, I never fancy myself an author at all, but you get used to writing like content and creating content. And that starts to get you into this mindset where, where like, Oh, maybe I can write some things. And, and for, for years, I'd had some people that I'd worked with and who I'm close to tell me, you've got to put these ideas and this, you know, addiction model of selling like down on paper. Like, it's so mm -hmm. cool. You got to do this. And so I decided to do it just as like a, a personal project, you know, like it, it, I wasn't trying to, you know, sell a million copies or, or anything like that. Um, I just wanted to like complete that first book. And interestingly like it was received really well you know and you know there's a lot of reviews on it and all the reviews are really really strong and it hit you know bestseller list on amazon for its particular category and all this kind of stuff and uh 
you know, it, it sort of became like a calling card, like a business card almost. Like if you want to know who Scott is and what Scott, Scott's philosophy on selling is, like just go read his book, you yeah. know? And I, I purposely wrote it for people who are like just kind of getting into sales and getting their first start and the mentality required. And, you know, this real bare bones, like addiction philosophy that I have, where you got to have pain first, then you got to, you know, educate and add value, then you got to create urgency, and then you can discuss your solution. And it resonated with people. And like, back to the degenerate idea, like, you know how many sales people come to me and be like, dude, I don't know what the fuck BANT means, but I I understand your addiction model of selling, right? And, and, you know... it, it ends up being like a, it's ended up being like a bit of a business card, you know, and it's, it's served me really well. Um, and now I'm like, well, I want to write something a little more, maybe a little bigger audience. Right. Yep. And, yep. And, and, and find a topic that's again, like underserved and there's no books out there about the roadmap or the path to be a VP of sales. There's nobody talking about, you know, the good, the bad and the ugly. Um, and I, I kind of floated the idea by a few people, you know, that I, that I trust. And they're like, dude, you, you gotta, you gotta try to write that. I'm like, you know, look, I've been an operator six times now, five of them successfully north of nine figures. Uh, you know, I've, I've been doing this for all going on 16 years now. Right. Like I think at least, and I could be wrong, but I feel like I could, it's time I could put this stuff out there. And it's not going to damage my ability to find a job. If I ever have to go back and work for somebody else and go back to not work, you know, stop working for myself and go back into the startup game, right? Like, I don't think I'm going to get blackballed, you know, because I think that my body of work, um, you know, is enough to give me some credibility. So I'm going to, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to put it out there. And and I, and I hope that people who, who are in leadership, as well as people who are interested in going into leadership, get a chance to, to check it out, you know, and, and, and get a full 360 degree view of, of really what it's like. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that's so much of the reason that a place like LinkedIn is valuable because folks can find that information. Folks can learn from somebody like you, who's going to give it to them real and, and let them know how it actually goes. And you're not, taking advice from somebody who did it 30 years ago. Yeah. You're, you're in the present era. You, you can speak in ways that are going to resonate to people. And largely that's why, you know, your first book was so successful, right? I was like, Oh, this guy's speaking my language. I can understand this. Right. Um, And again, it just, for me, when I first came across your book, it, it, and I remember actually I sent the link to a few people who had been asking me like, what's a good book to read just to kind of get started. Um, it, it was helpful because what happens with a lot of people, your first few sales jobs are shitty, right? Like they're not good. You have bad managers. The company probably sucks, you know, yeah. whatever. Um, and that was kind of how I was, right? Like I was selling cell phones. I never really had a manager who cared at all. You know, it was a like universal, a universal initial experience for people of our, of yeah. our age bracket, James. Yeah, yeah. I mean, dude, it's it's uh, absolutely a common theme, right? Yeah. When I'm when I'm talking to people, and and it it's a challenge, right? Because you, if you're motivated, 
right? And you've identified that, okay, sales is something that I can do. I'm good at it. I'm getting better at it. And it's a way that I can provide for my family and, and grow my career. You're looking for that leadership. You're looking for that insight on somebody who's done it before you. And you're also probably learning some bad habits along the way, right? So what I loved about your book was it was so straightforward that somebody like me and the colleagues that I sent it to that had been trained in various ways that weren't effective, but we had like this mush in our brains of like, <laughs> am I going to do Bant today? Am I going to do Medic? Am I going to be a challenger sale? Am I going to spin it? You know, all these things. What I loved about yours was it was like just a very practical way, right? And just a very, all right, yeah, I can get on board with this, right? And, and it kind of helped knock out all of the other half-assed training that I had gotten, right? And, and it was a, just a good kind of foundation. And this, you know, years into my sales career, right? So that's the value of somebody like you and the voice you bring with being transparent, not pulling any punches. And to your point, I think we're turning a corner, or at least from what I can see, to where I don't think you'll have a problem being blackballed if you're absolutely transparent and honest, right? I mean, I think we are, as a culture, searching for that, right? Yeah. There's a reason that Joe Rogan's podcast is so popular yeah. because you're getting the real. You're getting people that aren't putting on for Fox you're not, or CNN. You know, it's like that's where they're coming and they're just kind of sharing the real. That's, that's how I feel about you know, yeah. your content. And so companies, even if they don't really agree with it, recognize that it's a good PR look if they're, you know, keeping it real and they're allowing, you know, they're not tampering down their executives to have a voice and it's yeah. smart business for them. And, I, and I, it is smart business. And I, think, and I think one of the things that's not talked about enough is the, the amplification that it can have to hire people who have a big brand and a big presence in terms of your recruiting efforts. Yes. You know, I mean, look, let, let's say, you know, you and I were starting a company right now today, right? And we started hiring all of the thought leaders that everybody knows and can think of that are really prominent and successful on LinkedIn who are operators as well as trainers and whatnot. And like, imagine that was our sales team. Like our, that was our sales leadership team, right? You don't think people will want to go work for that team? You know what I mean? They'd be flocking. The more people like that you have working under one roof, like, damn, that's a place to go learn stuff, right? Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, Morgan Ingram and I had this interesting conversation when he was in Austin a couple weeks ago. There's this whole idea of, of super teams starting to form. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, strength in numbers kind of thing. And, and, and all that. And, you know, Richard Harris, my buddy and I are, you know, kind of talk about how sometimes we're better together than, than apart. And it's like, man, Absolutely. people are going to want to go work for that. Like, you don't even, I didn't spend a dollar, not a dime on recruiting in the three plus years that I was at Qualia, not a dime. You know how much money that saves an organization? <laughs> I was able to do that because, you know, my, my presence and reach on LinkedIn is such that I could just make a couple posts and be like, Hey, I'm trying to hire people and boom. Right. Oof. Now, if you, if you, if you amplify that by two or three people like me, four, five and six people like me, 
across departments, not just sales, but what about if you've got somebody in marketing who's like that? What if you've got a customer success operator who's also a thought leader and on and on and on? Man, you know, that's when the super team, you know, starts to form. I think we might start to see that, you know, more and more. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, that's the entire reason that I came to the sales developers. I, I knew of Ryan. I knew of Rex. I had read their book and I wanted to work for him. Yeah. You know, they, they didn't. And, and, and literally uh, everybody on the team is, falls into that. Like I, I saw it. I like it. I want to go work there. Right. And that is a powerful thing. Companies that are, I still hear it to this day, you know, people saying, yeah, I got yelled at for posting on LinkedIn. My boss told me not to do it. I actually had a guy tell me a couple of weeks ago that his boss came to him and asked him to stop posting on LinkedIn because his posts were getting more than his boss's posts, <laughs> more likes. That, that's pretty bad. That's I pretty mean, bad. you know, who is this guy is what I want to figure out. But, um, you know, the tide's turning and yeah, yeah you see it with, what you and uh, Richard are doing. The Jay Barrows team is getting very interesting these days right. with, with James Super Buckley team. and yeah, you know, right. And, and yeah, I think smart business operators should, should and will continue to capitalize on that. It's, it's built in reach. I mean, what's interesting. So my, this role here at the sales developers was the first time that, um, social media content creation and and doing a podcast was part of my contract <laughs> like <laughs> we want you to keep doing that right like right. that's yeah, that's getting, a valuable thing for you to be doing you're getting encouraged to do it and getting paid to do it as opposed to people being tolerating it right yeah yeah and and what a difference it makes right so you know i love that mindset and and um when i think about what you and richard are doing i just very briefly explain how that idea came about, man, because well, you're talking, you're talking about surfing sales. <clears throat> yeah. 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 Uh, the, the idea came from a uh, non-traditional Thanksgiving vacation that our two families took. So we were all together in Costa Rica and, you know, I was still working full time at Qualia uh, and Richard, you know, he's, he's been a consultant and trainer for almost a decade now. And we were just kind of talking about what we had coming up. <clears throat> and he was talking about how, you know, come January, he was going to enter his busy season. It's like SKO season, and he's got to go to conferences all over the place. And I'm like, dude, don't you ever get tired of going to fucking Hilton and, in, in, you know, <laughs> Omaha, Nebraska and all this shit? Minnesota, yeah. Yeah, seeing the same people, and it's like thousands of vendors there and stuff. And he's like, yeah, well, you know, I got to do what I got to do. And I'm like, somebody's got to create a better – conference a, a, a better sales conference a better you know experience in a better place i'm like how come nobody has something like this you know here in costa rica like right where we are and uh he's like well maybe you know maybe we should do it and i'm like yeah maybe maybe we should do it and we, we like i think we were, we were out in the water like surfing at the time like come in and like tell our wives and our wives are like that's actually a pretty good idea like they looked at us like sort of surprised that we maybe had some sort of smart moment for once. Wow, this is rare for you too. <laughs> and then and then I like tested the waters a little bit. I think I like made a post on LinkedIn that was like, hey, I'm thinking about putting together this micro sales conference in Costa Rica. 
Would anybody be interested in that kind of thing? And it like, you know, it took off. Blew up. Yep. Blew up. <clears throat> and I'm like, fuck it, Richard. Like, we got to try this, you know? So we plunked down, you know, the money for three houses on the water and, you know, surf lessons and cooks and all this kind of stuff. And uh, that's, where it, that's where it was born now. You know, we, we're running our fourth event um, in February. We've sold out every event so far, starting to get sponsors. And, and it, you know, people are tiring of the, uh, of the noise. People are tiring of going to 500,000 people attending Dreamforce. Like, I don't Ugh. think it's about size and scale like that anymore. It's about intimacy. It's about connection. It's about a personalized experience. It's about being able to spend a week with people you can learn from. It's about spending a week with people who are prospects potentially of yours, right? Mm -hmm. It's about spending a, a week in a beautiful location and, and integrating your work with your life, getting exercise in a beautiful spot, resting as well as working hard, you know, during the days and, and, and learning stuff. And that, the event of Surf and Sales, has now spawned into the surf and sales podcast, you know, just like you were trying to get as many, you know, smart, uh, operators and thought leaders out there as possible to just kind of give back to the, to the sales and, and business community. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. And, and again, right in line with the way you've operated your whole career idea, go. put it on paper, go. Yeah. Why yeah. wait? Idea go. Yeah. I, I have often been told I have two speeds. Full speed ahead and dead stop. And that's it. You know? <laughs> hey, it seems to be serving you well, Scott. And um, as we're wrapping up, I want to make sure uh, I always ask my guests for just an actionable tip that folks that are listening to the podcast can use when they get done listening to it. Well, this is top of mind right now because we've touched upon it a bunch, but you know, you, you've got to learn to make decisions faster. <clears throat> you, you've got to learn to stop overanalyzing things and second and triple guessing yourself. You know, if you feel like something makes sense, just fucking do it. Just go for it. You know, it doesn't have to be perfect. If you produce something that's, you know, C grade quality and, and you're not happy with it and you don't think that there's any future to it, then don't do it again. If you produce something that's B plus, A minus quality, then keep after it. If it, if it makes you happy and it, and it adds value, but just stop, stop deliberating, man, stop deliberating and stop second guessing and just make decisions faster, right. And move on to the next thing. It'll increase your productivity and decrease your anxiety and stress a hundredfold. Mm, powerful stuff. Last question. I'm going to ask you, Scott, the same question I ask everybody that comes on the lunch break podcast, because to your point, it's worth it for us to take a break. We all actually do eat lunch during the day. I need to know, what is your favorite place to eat lunch? Favorite place to eat lunch? <clears throat> My favorite place to eat lunch currently is Flores Mexican Restaurant in, uh, in Austin, Texas. Mm. Amazing uh, tequila bar. All I drink is water and tequila, by the way. <laughs> not together, not together, right? I either am having water separately or tequila separately. That's it, that's the list. <laughs> Right. So I can't go wrong with, you know, carnitas and chips and salsa and beans and rice and, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, a nice tequila. That's, That's it, man. That's it. Fantastic. Yeah. Scott, thank you so much for coming on, giving us your time. 
Uh, I think anybody that, that has listened to this is going to walk away with some things that they can, that they can use and, and it's going to help them out. Um, last thing here, uh, if people aren't already connected to you, how can they find you? Uh, you mean you can find me on LinkedIn uh, as best you can. You can get connected to me through my surfandsales.com website, as well as my personal website, scottleesconsulting.com. And uh, I promise to respond to everybody. I'm like obsessive about getting back to people. So no, no message goes unanswered. Fantastic. Well, with that, I'm going to wrap up episode 54 of the Lunch Break podcast. I'll speak to you guys soon.